0: Hey everybody, welcome to Shop Notes podcast number 167. It's a handworks follow-up with chairs and walnuts and allergies galore. I'm joined by John Doyle, Logan Whitmer, I'm Phil Huber from Shop Notes magazine. Glad to have you with us. Thanks for listening. Uh, This episode is brought to you by Shop Notes, oddly enough. It's the magazine about... uh, Getting the most out of your workshop and building the dream workshop that you've always wanted, no matter the space that you have. Projects and techniques and more. Check it out at shopnotes.com. All right, at the risk of making John feel left out, because he wasn't at handworks <laughs> this past weekend. His own
1: fault.
2: Yep, we'll that was my choice. Recap. Yep. Yep. I asked about it, so I'm interested. <laughs> how it went.
1: Yeah.
0: Now, it was a two-day event, Friday and Saturday. Logan went Friday. I went Saturday. How would you... Because you were at the last one, Logan, right? In 2017? Yep, I was. How would you compare them?
1: Um, Well, because I can't even remember what I did last week. My (laughs) recollection was that it was hotter. Much hotter. The last one was rainy, wasn't it? Or like... Yes, because the last one I
2: went to was really rainy and cold. It was in the spring, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah. it was because I have was looking back at pictures and I was wearing a jacket.
1: Yep. Um, More people. Okay. Um, Boatloads of people. I will take the cold and rain over the hot sweaty. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I don't know. It wasn't that bad. Um, Like I guess Friday wasn't wasn't near as bad as Saturday was. Like it was still hot. But I'm yeah. thinking, you know, I was I was asked and a few people that listen to the podcast, I know, stopped to talk to me at the Leather by Dragonfly booth, represent my apron right now, um, just because I happen to be doing photos before we did this. Um, I was afraid that uh, putting a leather apron on outside in 85 degree weather, 90 degree weather is not fun. It was not bad at all, especially under the circus tent. So,
2: yeah, I think it just depends on what you're wearing underneath of it.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yes. I have plenty of airflow. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) I was there
0: Saturday, which was warmer than Friday, and I was honestly surprised on how much cooler it was in the circus tent compared
1: to the barn. The main barn. Yeah. Well, the barn's like closed walls, two big doors. I mean, it's an old barn, so there's ventilation. Yeah. Kind of, but yeah, It feels the, like the there cer-
0: if there would have been a door on the opposite side, because the two yes. barn doors were on one side, if they would have had Correct. another door on the opposite side to get some flow through, that would have been a much, much better yeah. situation.
1: It would have been, yes. I agree with that. So.
2: And how was the traffic um, on Saturday on Interstate 80? Uh,
0: it was... I very wisely scheduled it to coincide with all the people driving from Des Moines to Iowa city for the football game, as well as by the time we got done with it was about the time that the game ended and people okay. were driving back. So all
2: right, that
0: works So out you made well, sure
1: though. that you were with the flow. I was. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Yeah. You just put your car in neutral and let the entire thing co- push you. Right? right. Yeah. I just yeah. kind of it's like, it's like a train. Yeah. I just drafted different yep. people. That's awesome.
2: So no, Saturday th- wasn't,
1: I mean, honestly, I will say parking was not near as big a deal as I thought it was going to be. Um, you know, I I wisely took a mommy Uber. Um, so I parked at my parents' house and stayed there actually Thursday night. And I was like, Mom, can I convince you to drop me off in the Man of Colonies? And she did um, very, okay. uh, very graciously. She, she dropped us off and picked us back up um so we didn't have to worry about parking but it seemed like there was there was plenty of parking you'd have to walk a couple blocks maybe but it wasn't that bad
0: yeah i when we got there it wasn't bad either there were a couple of fields just very close by that had parking and then there was a lot of on street parking yeah um like if you were if you're looking for large lots to park in then no but i don't think I mean, it wasn't like the state fair trying to find parking
2: around there. So, no. I can just picture your mom dropping you off with some orange slices and a granola bar at the curb, and (laughs) yeah, pick you up later. I'm
1: at the age where she's dropping me off with like gin and tonics and sushi,
2: though. So, (laughs) it's way more fun. Yeah,
1: I'm a grown man. Thanks, mom. He,
0: he still did have an envelope, like safety pinned to his yes. chest, with his lunch yes. money in it. Though she made sure my yeah. name
1: was written inside my apron. Yeah.
0: yeah. So no, Saturday there were quite a few people there, especially early on. I think it started to thin out in the afternoon, but yeah, it was really nice that way.
1: Well, I, so. I assume that people were probably trying to hit the like cooler part of the day, right? So yeah, I will say our original plan was to be there Friday and Saturday, but we only ended up going Saturday. We were, we were too busy working on this chair project. So, uh, we only went Friday. Um, we skipped Saturday and I'm glad I did because I don't know that I would have needed to be there anymore on Saturday. Like it's not, it's not huge there. I'm not there to spend a ton of money surprisingly. So like, I think I got away with spending a hundred bucks. Um, and like I mean yeah it's fun to go see Roy do his his thing gotta to talk to him a little bit when he stopped by the Leather by Dragonfly booth um, got our pictures taken with Roy and it was fun um, but like I don't know I, I didn't need to go for two days which was, was good yeah
0: it was kind of interesting to see the different folk
1: there yeah
0: uh, I feel like this time there was a wider variety of uh, I don't know, tool vendors or makers that were there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A couple of schools that was kind of
1: fun to see. Yeah. It was, it was cool to meet some of the people that I've worked with mag- on magazine stuff, like doing spotlights, you know, um, Jared green was there with um, blue Spruce, Will Adams was there with Honeybrook tools, uh, obviously blether by dragon uh, Patrick and Michelle were there. Um, I'm sure there's several others. Dave Jensky was there with his new saws, um, which are super awesome. Um, you know, it was, it was it was cool to to really put some um, faces with names, yeah. You know, or faces with voices, I guess, because I've talked to most of them. <laughs> so, although I will say the one guy I've worked with a couple of times, and I had no idea, I had no idea what to expect was nick from lake erie Toolwork? Um, okay i believe nick's dad started lake erie Toolwork, and nick is taking it over um way younger than i thought he was oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah like i i guess maybe i didn't remember seeing him if he'd been there in the years past but yeah
2: yeah i saw on uh social media there was a lot of quote-unquote woodworking celebrities there did you guys have any run-in stories or celebrity spottings or you guys getting recognized by any folk there anything interesting
1: um i got i got stopped by many people i apologize to them because they say hey (laughs) Listen to your podcast. Watch your show. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that (laughs) do
2: that. Um, It's not meant for human consumption. No.
1: No. Uh, (laughs) I think a lot of those people were there. Like, you know, I talked to Roy, talked to Ben Strano a little bit. Not much. He just kind of saw him in passing. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see, like, I don't know, maybe Ben or some of those people there. Didn't know it. I, I mean, I went the last time it was and didn't see or maybe just didn't recognize as many of those people there and maybe it's been long enough now that there was a bigger craving to get back to it so it's cool a yeah. lot of people went
0: yeah there was definitely I think pent up demand it was mm-hmm. kind of interesting at one point I was sitting outside the main barn and like right next to me was Ron Hawk Mm-hmm. from Hawk Tools and he was chatting with Ron Breeze from Breeze hand planes he makes like custom yep. infill planes and whatnot. and it was just kind of funny to see some of those guys together yep. and I don't I don't know if I would call them celebrities, but to to, just to be aware of some of these makers and know who they are and then to see them in person, like, wow, you're a real person. And yeah,
1: well, I guess, yeah, that's, that's the bigger thing is like, I don't really fanboy over anybody as far as like, uh, I mean, it was nice to meet some of these people in person. Mm -hmm. And that was the biggest thing is it was just nice to say, Hey, cool. You know, I'm glad we were able to, you know, shake hands and whatever. Um, the thing I, I was talking to, um, one of the guys I didn't know he was going to be there. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, uh, he didn't have a booth or anything. Um, there's a guy by the name of Charlie Ernest, he's uh, a sawmaker out of Warwick. Um, he was just walking around. And my buddy mm-hmm. Rusty, that was here with me, um, knows Charlie and knew he was going to be there. Um, so we kind of met up, and I had, I had approached Charlie. A couple of years ago uh, when he first started making hand saws um, saying you know hey if you ever you know are interested you know i'd love to do a spotlight on you and he was very like mm, didn't really wasn't really interested in that point because he was just getting his feet under him as a sawmaker, and he i think he felt like he needed to you know really cut his teeth before he did that and kind of i, I guess he felt like he needed to prove himself which i don't think he did because he makes beautiful saws Um, and I said, no, here's the deal. When I was talking to him at handworks, it's like my, the thing that I like to do with these, you know, bespoke tool makers is kind of just really shine a light on the community because that's, that's what it is. It's the, the woodworking and hand tool community that is, is the point of the bespoke maker articles I've been doing. He's like, Oh, okay. You know, so maybe, maybe I'll be doing something on him. Um, soon um but yeah that was the biggest thing is everyone there there's just a sense of community um, except for the pickpocket that was running around Ooh. so yeah
0: <laughs> that was just kind of amazing to me
1: yeah but so, what do you do yep so all right but, so what, what did, did you, you end up with for a haul uh, I was just going to ask you the same thing, Phil. Um, so I though, I only bought three things, okay, which is very good for me. But I think I told you guys, as I'm moving the shop from the basement to out here, I'm realizing how much crap I have and how much crap I don't really need and how many doubles of things I have, which I, f- I discovered I actually have a double of this bubble bevel, bevel gauge I bought. So I bought two things from Patrick Leach. Okay. I bought one thing from Lost Art Press. Um, the two tools I bought from uh, Patrick Leach were uh, this Stanley bevel gauge. Okay. Ooh, ah. the okay. reason I bought this bevel gauge is because we were trying to set some angles on this chair that I happen to be sitting in, um, which is a Democratic chair. And with the bevel gauges I have, they have the little lever right here to, to lock them right it's very hard if you're trying to set an angle and reaching that lever so i want a one that tightened from the end like this okay yeah, yeah. um now i bought this this was in uh, patrick leach i think this is the first year he has done the 20 dollars bins so everything outside on tables were in bins and they were i was talking to uh, my buddy uh um Charlie that actually lives in the Amandas that i bought tools from before. I was, I was chatting with him and he was kind of manning Patrick's tables outside. I was like, I was like, so Charlie, are you pricing everything? Because you know, I need that friend discount, huh? And he's like, nope, everything out here is just five bucks unless it's marked on the, you know, kind of the other, on the ground and stuff. Um, I was like, okay. Or it's 20, 20 bucks. Yeah. yeah, I said five. 20 bucks for the stuff in the bins. And I was like, okay, so I found this guy. They were, I I felt like they were semi-organized. Maybe it stopped after the first day, but it felt like the tools were kind of organized in bins. Like there was a bunch of bell gauges and and squares in one bin. So that's where I found uh, this Stanley. Um, I found out after I bought this, I found out yesterday, I was digging through my leatherworking stuff to get punches and needles to lace up the head on this shave horse. I have one of these in my leatherworking stuff. The, the obvious place for it right so. yeah didn't need to do that but that's fine um the other thing i bought and this one i'm pretty excited about this thing is just a beautiful shape so this is a tiny little scraper shave um so it's maybe three-eighths of an inch thick there half inch wide you know kind of like a for people not watching on youtube it is kind of in the shape of like texas longhorn right Um, but it has this beautiful, like metal sole on it, Mm -hmm. tiny little mouth, and there's a tiny little blade in there. Um, I mean, for geez, if this was 20 bucks in a thrift store, I would have been, you know, on the counter faster than I could have picked it up. So um, I was very happy with this. It's it's actually a really nice... Like I would like to make a couple of these. Just looking at it, I'm like, you can make these parts out of brass really easily. Right. Um, there is not a maker's mark to be seen on this thing. Maybe if I pull the blade off, the blade will have one. But I think uh, my buddy Rusty and I... He's actually the one that found this, so I got to thank Rusty for making me spend $20. Um, we were talking... I think that this is apple but i'm not 100 percent sure so that was my big purchase okay so um, we'll put uh well, we'll put photos of these on yeah. the show
0: notes page so you want to check that out at shopnotes.com
1: slash podcasts um, i did i say that was my big purchase the book i bought from lost art press was more i bought a copy of don williams uh, virtuoso um mm-hmm. the uh the a Studley tool chest book um that's one that i've always wanted i never got it i wasn't thinking i should have walked over to don and had him sign it when i was there oh, i yeah. didn't know like i don't really 20 feet away yeah i know i don't and i talked to don for for a bit and i just i yeah it's fine yeah so yeah okay. what, what did you buy phil because i know you got a couple things i did
0: uh one thing that i have been looking for for a while we have one on the video studio set is a little cross peen hammer, Mm -hmm. depending on what you're calling it, Warrington pattern or whatever. Um, So the head is about four inches long. I should weigh it. It would be interesting to see what this weighs. I don't know. It's like about three quarter inch diameter for the head. And I feel like the handle is pretty nicely shaped. And that was in one of the $20 bins as well. And okay. I just had been on the lookout for it. And then to find it in the, in the discount bins was really nice. So then I did get a new tool by, uh, there's a blacksmith there, Jason Lennon, And I was there to look at his ads because I've kind of wanted to have an ads for some of the sculpted bowls that I've been interested in doing, but uh, it was more to look at the ads and feet, get a feel for their size and whatnot. But then I got distracted by, he had a little table with these short little gouges. So it's got a pretty big, I don't know, belly or sweep on it. And uh, just a small hardwood handle. This feels kind of like Walnut looks like Walnut to me. Maybe. And I had been looking for a spoon gouge from a file Swiss made of a particular size, and they've been back-ordered online for like a year or more. And this actually, this gouge would work in all the same places as that spoon gouge. It's basically a spoon gouge, but just with a short handle. Palm gouge, palm spoon. Yeah. Palm spoon gouge. And I was trying it out on the test piece that he had there. And it was, I was delighted on how well it worked and the kind of control that I had with it. So I decided I don't have too many custom made tools like that or small Mm -hmm. boutique made tools that were there. So that was pretty cool. Those were the, my two big purchases. So
1: awesome. Yeah. So, Phil had a bigger day than I did. <laughs> that makes me so happy. That just—it's just a sign of self-restraint on my part. That's all I'm go. taking it as. Is a yeah. sign of it, self-restraint. Yeah.
2: It's a sign of growth. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was gonna uh, take a look at the. There were two other things that I almost walked away with. One was uh, Elia Bazzari. Mm-hmm. Was selling uh, travishers and travisher blades there. Yeah. Now the travishers are delightful. I think that they're very similar to the one that you
1: had, right? Yes, they are. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then uh, he was selling the blades for thirty-one bucks there, which is like half the price of what it was on the that I just saw today on his website. So I kind of kicking myself that I didn't do that but
1: yeah well you, you said you said you were looking at travisher's and oh i'll have to get up in a minute and grab mine so i can look at the blade real quick it's like the blade on a travisher is pretty simply shaped right like it's not oh, yeah. very it's not very complicated it's a slight curve a bevel on one side and two countersunk screw holes so i feel like you could probably make it out of 01 tool steel pretty easily Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And make a body for one. But, man, for 31 bucks, Phil, come on.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was one of those things that I was going to come back and get it, and then I my I was there with my dad and my one of my brothers, and we were just chatting about other stuff, and I totally slipped my mind on it. But then I did talk to Chris today yeah. about doing a Travisher for a project idea. So, you know, maybe we get some 01 in here and then... Uh,
1: There's an extra blade laying around. (laughs) And I work with Chris
0: on making a blade myself out of it. So this
1: episode is brought to you by Shop
0: Notes. It's the magazine about uh, getting the most out of your workshop and building the dream workshop that you've always wanted, no matter the space that you have. Projects and techniques and more. Check it out at ShopNotes.com. So the Travishers basically looks like a spokeshave, but just with a real deep curve to it and then the handles swoop up so that you can hollow out um like chair seats and curved forms like that so once logan we'll put a picture of that on
1: on the show notes page as well because it's pretty yeah yep so so it just i mean yeah it's it's simply i don't know eighth inch thick steel Uh, we lost john doyle yep um eighth inch thick steel Bent in, I don't know. That looks to me like a six-inch radius, maybe.
0: Yeah, the ones um, Elia had on his site, he said it was a three and a half inch radius, which that seemed it was. He had three inch and then like curved twelve inch or something like that. So yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that's closer
1: to three. That same size. It, uh, I mean, it, and it very well could be. I supposedly this is the size for this Scorp uh, for the, the common size Scorps. Okay. Which are, I think f- four and a half inch. Yeah. But the scorp seems like it, uh, is a much tighter curve than this is. Um, but yeah, then just two countersunk screw holes. Um, right. it is, this is certainly hollow ground. Yeah. Um, I don't
0: know. But I mean, that's that. not, yeah. The blade, the bottom of the blade, the flat side of the blade does have a hollow grind to it. Yep. Side to side, which I mean, that wouldn't be very
1: difficult to create. No. no. And, um, it's, uh, this, I use this thing this week, this weekend's last, last week as well. Um, this is so fun. Like you could whittle a white pine chair seat down into nothing just because you're having fun. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's another, I mean, it's another argument for vegan woodworking. So
1: oh, yeah, that's true.
0: Did you see the, uh, Travisher design that Peter Galbert had the new one, his new design? No,
1: I did not. So it's
0: similar. Cause I think he was working with like the one that you had that same kind of family of one. Yep. And then yep. he came up with one that had more rounded, like Mickey mouse ear kind of handles on it.
1: Okay. Okay. I could and he see was that. showing those off. Yep. So. I could see that because, you know, I will say I didn't do a ton of shaping on this seat. Um I let I was taking pictures, so I was letting Rusty do the, the shaping on this. Um uh, it's it's razor sharp, so it's not hard. But I could see how it would very quickly if you had like, ooh, tendon my my elbow just hurts just thinking about it like especially if you're doing like like I told I told Rusty, you know, like this chair, you know, this is a white pine seat, okay? It's white yeah. pine. It is oak dowels or oak, oak dowels, oak legs and uh spindles and stuff. But like if I could really see doing this out of like walnut, I think that'd be super nice. Sure. Um and you could do it out of walnut. That would obviously be harder than white pine. Um so I could see something where it's a little bit more ergonomic to hold. Yeah would would be really nice
0: yeah his point with his was that with those larger ears is that when you're if you wanted to make a heavy cut then you can apply a lot more down pressure on it and still maintain that you know there's a very sensitive
1: rocker yeah positioning on it so yeah yeah i actually when i ordered i ordered mine my shirt is from bar tools bar um and when i sent the email jesse emailed me back and said hey just so you know this is out a week or so and so that's fine i was like you know honestly if you want just send it without the handles because i'll i'll turn some nice fancy ones because i think they sell them with like like lacquer red handles they're fine um but there's not i don't think my tools to be fancy so i was gonna turn some curly maple handles for them um but yeah, I uh, that's there. There certainly is an angle where it's like you're making the right cut. Um, the other thing that's a little awkward with the the, the handles like this um, is the if you're trying to do like a shear cut where the the blade's skewed and you're pulling it at you, it feels really weird. Right. Um, whereas if it was more you know like knobs or a handlebar style, that would be a little bit easier, I think. Okay. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So then I wanted to get uh, Nancy Hiller's kitchen think book. And I just, mm-hmm. the line over at lost art press was ridiculous. Yeah. So I kind of passed it up because there wasn't anything specific about getting it there in person. That would
1: have. Correct.
0: So. Uh, I did get to see and talk to uh, Mike Pekovich, the creative director over at fine woodworking. We had him on the mm-hmm. podcast, but when we had him on the podcast, you know, he was remote in Connecticut, so we really didn't get a chance to talk too much. It was just we were there for the podcast, and so it was nice to meet him in person. I did have one of his books that I have that I had him sign, so that was mm-hmm. that was my fanboy moment there.
1: I had him sign my book as well. Not there. Um, yeah. We were both down at how and we're working at the same time so oh yeah yeah yeah
0: so so anyway it was a it was a really fun show it was nice to see a lot of stuff in person it was also cool to see how many old tools there were two different i guess three if you uh count that guy slav who has the files all the different types of files so like three different used vintage tool vendors there and Mm -hmm. the supply was generous yeah. So, I could have yeah. spent way more time going through the $20 bins and spending way more money than I really needed to.
1: Yeah, I and see, I was like... I had an inkling on Friday morning when we got up and headed over there. I was like, you know what? I, I kind of have a feeling that we were both kind of stressed out about this chair build. I kind of think we're going to need the extra Saturday in the shop and not do handworks again. So I kind of like had this... This little peripheral pressure, like, you got to <laughs> see who you need to see. Yeah. And like, I, and I told, I told our advertising guy, Jack, I was like, hey, I'm not there on business. Like, I am there personal time only. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing sales calls. We're not doing any of that stuff for ads or videos or anything. Not doing that. So, um, but there was people that I just wanted to stop and generally talk to. Um, and you know, thank, thank for stuff or, you know, make sure that they're taken care of on things they emailed me about and stuff. So, you know, I guess a little bit of business, but, um, when I was there just kind of chatting with people, I just passed those bins real quickly. So I'm glad I didn't spend any more time than (laughs) I needed to on them because as I mentioned, I just, I have, I have too many old tools right now. Right. And And this is the real crux of the problem is that the Midwest tool collectors meet is in Des Moines at the end of this month. It is. It is. Oh, I know. So that's going to be a big, did not know that. So Eugene was hammering me with questions. I ran into Eugene and Chuck there. uh, And Eugene's like, I'm doing a demo for the, uh, a talk to the Des Moines woodworkers about, uh, finding and restoring handles. He's like, so what are you gonna look for at the Midwest Tool Collectors meet to bring to the to the talk? And I'm like, No, Eugene, no. <laughs> Not today, Satan. Not today. <laughs> but then I'm like, oh this this is really pretty. I love old tools. And now mm-hmm. it's like, oh man, I might have to go. I don't want to, but I might have to.
0: Yeah. So I have just a few tools, old tools that I'm looking for. Little Ovalo plane and yeah, I was hoping to find like a set of like new old stock or old, like little Riffler rasps.
1: Yeah. That would um, be, that would be kind of cool. Yeah. I, I bought, I ended up buying a set of those. They were, uh, they were new old stock ones. A, a gentleman I think in Colorado had found somebody that was selling a large, large batch of them out of Italy. Oh, um, they were nice. like made in the fifties or forties, and I bought a full set from them. Um, it's been it's been quite a while. I've never used them. <laughs> I bought them with the intent of doing some saw handles because um, some of them are like sized perfectly for doing that type of thing. Right. Um, I just haven't got there yet.
0: Yeah. So I was looking for that um, a small ovalo plane. Okay. So. Ovalo is a round over, but with like a little square shoulder on both yeah. sides of it. So yeah. I didn't really see any of those, and I wasn't really digging around I didn't, the bins too
1: much for those. Yeah, I didn't really notice, and maybe it's just because I wasn't looking. Um, I didn't notice that many molding planes there.
0: Yeah, I didn't look too of... much inside because I wasn't, no. I was looking more for flea market prices and not. I should have looked more in the bargain bins for those to see
1: if there was anything in there. Flea market prices, not Patrick Leach prices. Prices. Yeah. Yeah. Which he does really well. I've ordered a, I've ordered a few things from Patrick. Um, he sends out his, if anybody doesn't know, uh, Patrick Leach does a, um, a monthly newsletter that he emails out with a list of tools for sale. Um, and these are like the nicer tools, not like, you know, not bargain bin tools. Um, and I've ordered a few things from him. Um, it's just you're you're paying for the convenience of it being of knowing what you're getting. You know, yeah. it's not like it's not like you're walking into a flea market picking up a rusty plane. It's a decent shaped plane that might need just a little bit of work, but you know exactly what you're getting.
0: Right. So. Yeah. So I also was looking for some used sharpening stones, and then maybe like mm. a slip stone, like a fi- I have a kind of a coarse, medium, slip stone. I was looking for something that had a finer, finer grit to it. And I was surprised that I really didn't see much for sharpening stones there.
1: Yeah, I don't remember seeing any. I might, I might have one for you. one for you. I don't have to look. So.
0: Now, speaking of chair making, we've kind of hinted at it and talked about it a little bit, the chair you're sitting on, you were working yep. on for photos for popular woodworking article. Yep. Yep. So one of the questions that I had is you were talking about cause the form is Curtis Buchanan's he calls it the democratic chair yep. for the fact that it was simple tools and simple construction so that a wide variety of people can make it without. A lot of specialty. It was was
1: chair designed for the masses.
0: Yes. Yeah. And it's got kind of a, I don't know, like a Windsor stick chair kind of feel to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it follows a lot of the same like Windsor style um, principles.
0: Right. But it's not turned. The parts aren't turned on there. Nope. Um, I'll hold it up. Then we'll put a photo of it on the show notes page as well.
1: So, yeah, so like all the, all the legs, legs, um, backrest, crest rail, spindles, um, stretchers are all from Riven Oak. So they are oak. It is red oak that has been split with wedges and a fro and then draw knife down to rough shape, um, then stuck in a kiln to dry. The stretchers are wrapped in the center of foil to prevent them from drying, Um, and then you do final shaping, and then you shape the tenons with a Windsor chair, a Windsor tenon cutter, which is a six-degree tenon cutter, Um, and then those go in the kiln, just the ends go in the kiln, and then, um, yeah, you start with a, a seat blank, shape the seat, drill the legs at particular angles, the backrests at particular angles. Um, You ream them to the proper angle. Um, Because once you have the hole at the proper angle, you still have to ream at the right angle because you can really mess up the hole with the reamer. Um, Yeah, then it all goes together with high glue. Um, Everything is uh, based on um, the sight lines, the angles, um, the tenons, if there's any bow to any of the parts, you want to put those in a uh, particular orientation um, for the best sitting experience. Um, but, yeah, it's it's it was a very fun process.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, even last week's show, we were talking about making chairs. And for some people, it's super cool and very – that's their – that's their jam and woodworking. And for us, it's yeah. never really been our jam. So yeah. I guess I was wondering, like, I know Rusty did most of the work for yep. it, but like you were working on it too. So.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Could you see yourself um, making another one?
1: Oh, I will make another one. I actually have a chair blank or chair seat blank sitting on my bench. Okay. Um, it is ready to drill. Um, I don't have a Windsor reamer. Um, what I have is a, it's like a 12 degree from Lee Valley Veritas um, oh, okay. with the Tenon cutters. So like you can, and you can do it. Like it doesn't really yeah. matter. You can do it with that. Um, yes, I will make more of these because in my opinion these are like like the, I'm oh. sitting in it right now. Like it's just it's so comfortable. I'll have to bring it in so you can sit in it because it's I mean it's still a it is still a Windsor style chair. It still has spindles on the back so it's not a soft squishy chair but that's not what it's meant to be like this is just a good nice sitting chair Um, yeah it's it's strong enough where i can you know do the american thing and rock back in a chair yeah on two legs um without an issue um i will certainly make more of these Um, and it's pretty
0: lightweight too right yeah
1: i i haven't weighed it um i'm guessing it's seven or eight pounds probably um now if you made it of walnut it'd be a little bit heavier probably um what i don't think i would do the in my opinion the most time consuming part of this process and the one that i enjoyed the least is the riving of the, the blanks and draw knifing everything to size okay i don't enjoy that um so I would maybe rive everything or maybe I'd just cut blanks out of a board and then I would rough turn them. I'd turn them on the lathe and then you can facet it with a, with a spoke shave. Okay. If you want it faceted, you know, a Windsor would not be faceted. A Windsor would have nice big bulbs on it and stuff. And yeah. maybe that's where, where I probably should go is more of a Windsor style. Okay. Um, but yeah, I will I will certainly make more. Um, my next process for this chair that I'm sitting on is going to be to paint it. Um, I bought some powdered milk paint. So that's an entire process on itself. Um, and uh, Curtis Buchanan, um, Mike Dunbar, a lot of guys have uh, videos on the painting process. Um, I didn't know traditional Windsor chairs were painted green because it was a... Wow, that was a big walnut. Yeah. Um, Did you hear it? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was a big walnut that hit the the roof. Um, the uh, the milk paint that would have been used was actually made out of oxidized copper, so it okay. had that, that green was the pigment. Hue. Okay. Yeah, which is 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 fascinating. I only know this because I watched a Mike Dunbar video on <laughs> on the painting process. Um, but yeah, I'll I'll certainly make more. They're super comfortable. Um, it's really fun to, to assemble everything with high glue and then bring it in the house because then the dogs are occupied for the next five hours licking all the squeeze-out off. It was <laughs> awesome. Like, they're not worried about the chair. They're not chewing on the chair, but they're just sitting there licking squeeze-out. It was it was great. Perfect. Yep. Because so.
0: the style that of the legs is almost like uh, for ones that are turned... A lot of times it's almost like the bamboo turning. Right?
1: Uh yes, kind of. Yes. And they have bulbs of, on them.
0: Yeah, and it kind of mimics the like nodes that you'd see on bamboo or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like all of these have like these have the nodes on them. Right. Um so yeah, it's definitely like that node style. Um it's funny, we were actually uh Rusty's like, here you need to watch this. As, I, as I'm working, watch this video. And it was this video series that he had bought with. It was uh Curtis Buchanan and um, uh, Elia Bazzari building this chair. So it was it was one right. of those like, Curtis is kind of walking Elia through doing it. Um, you know they must have done it during COVID because they were on Zoom and stuff. Um, but that was that was pretty cool. It's funny. I actually just was on the phone with Elia before we started this podcast. But um, yeah, it's a. Uh, It's a very cool process, and I could see how people would would really get into chair making. Right. Um, The guys that make chairs, guys and gals, ladies that make chairs, um, everybody that makes chairs, I'm interested to know who their clientele is. Right. Because knowing how much goes even into this Democratic chair, which I would say is probably not as high style and doesn't take as much time as a traditional Windsor. Um, there's a lot of time in it. Like two of us worked on this pretty much nonstop for four days. Like what price would you have to put on that to sell it? Like, I'm not putting a price on this. Like I'm going to hold on to this thing for a long time. Actually, I meant to have rusty sign it before he left, but you know what I mean? Like it's one of those things. It's like who, who keeps Curtis Buchanan or Greg Pennington or, you know, Mike Dunbar, Who, who keeps those guys employed because somebody is, or yeah. if it's their, it might be their teaching that's doing that. But, you know, just one of those things that's it's kind of interesting.
0: Yeah, so. no, that's kind of what I've wondered, too, especially to see. Yeah, the amount of handwork and detail, especially if you're going to do. I mean, the painted ones are painted not to f- cover up flaws or poor workmanship, but. If you're doing something, if you're doing that same chair out of Walnut like you want to do. Mm hmm it's just more material cost and a much tighter focus on having it look good
1: yeah oh yeah you're like you're gonna spend a lot more time making sure there's no tear out because yeah. like this pine seat there's a couple of pieces of tear out where we drilled the holes and it's like oh those get filled <laughs> and Yeah. you know about watching a Mike Dunbar video he's like yeah just fill it he's like it's yeah. good painted man just fill it <laughs> so I'm like okay <laughs> like that makes sense but you can't do that with walnut although I would argue that walnut's probably gonna cut a little cleaner than pine it might not want to tear as bad maybe yeah um so i don't know okay yeah it it was it was super fun i mean using this this travisher was the that was the best part like it's like you're just getting these wispy shavings that as you're taking them they're just floating away in the air you know through the sunlight (laughs) raking in the window it was lovely it was great
0: yeah I'd like to try, and this was something going back to connect everything to handworks here is uh, HNT Gordon planes were there through their Heartwood, Heartwood tools distributor, and they had their line of planes and they had, uh, I don't even know what they call it, a a radius plane, I think is what they call it for doing seats. So it's got a radius front to back and side to side. Yes. And
1: I thought that would be, it was just an adorable little plane. It's yeah. It almost looks like a compass scrub plane. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? With like that blade style and stuff. Um, yeah. And you know, and some of like some of those, like those would work really well, I think to like get a nice smooth seat where, yeah some of like the democratic chair i don't think is designed to have a smoothie it's meant to have tool marks like and when you paint yeah. it those are the parts that wear and it, it kind of has that gives that faceted look. yeah yeah um, no
0: it's i get but that if you're doing
1: yeah if you're doing like a you know nice windsor seat where you want everything nice and smooth and stuff that would work really well probably
0: yeah so anyway that was kind of It was just another one of those things where it's like, I would like to try that just to see what it's like. There was a video on YouTube that I saw not that long ago. I'm trying to think it was a Japanese guy who was making, I think spoons, wood spoons, and he did it all with Japanese hand tools. Mm -hmm. And he, a lot of the hand planes he was using were radius in both directions even if he was doing Hmm. relatively flat work because it allowed, you know, having that radius kind of shortened up the sole, so he could get
1: into really tight spaces on things. So that was kind of, yeah, kind of an interesting look. It was funny because you know, you and I have talked about, you know, black planes, you can use them on curved surfaces. I don't remember. We, We talked about that for some video or something Yeah, and we were, um, you you kind of hit on it the idea behind the democratic chair is you can build it basically with a scorp right and that's a sport a scorp a spokeshave and a drive and that's pretty much it like you can use as many tools as you want but those are like the basic ones like i mean even yeah. uh curtis and uh Elia, when they were doing like there's where the spindles come through the, the back crest there is little nubs and they're supposed to be domed over slightly. Again, none of this really matters. It's just his, you know, Curtis's design. That it's domed over. He shows doing them with a the score, like just you know, yeah. chipping them away, yeah. But um I I mentioned something to because he did the he had uh, formed the sh- the seat shape. So so I band the majority of the waist away, and then you, you kinda smooth it out with a draw knife. And it leaves some facets, and that's fine. He's like, man, I just wish I could get that cleaner. I was like, dude, just take a block plane to it. And he's like, how are you going to take a block plane to that? It's curved. I'm (laughs) like, hold my beer. Yeah. (laughs) Because... It's like yeah, you just skew it, man. I was I like, am. Like we glued up the seat uh, and the and the undercarriage, as it's so called in chair making. I'm told yeah. uh, the undercarriage was all glued up to the seat, and I'm sitting on the seat with my jack plane, and I'm just like <laughs> just taking it to the front, and it, it worked beautifully to smooth out the like the front of the seats about the smoothest thing on this thing, uh, which was awesome. So, lovely. You just don't think about stuff like that when you yeah. when you get in a box. So
0: right. God. All right. If you were at Handworks, I'd love to hear about it. You can put that in the comment section on our YouTube channel or send us an email and we can read those on a future episode. You can send the email to woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Otherwise, check out our show notes page, shopnotes.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the podcast and we will see you again next week. Bye, everybody.